on this episode of the Answers on Aging podcast. And they happen to have a trust in place. They automatically have the assumption that we're good. We should just automatically qualify for Medicaid because we've got this trust in place. And, and it's been in place more than five years. Yeah, so yeah. So we're, good. so we're good, right? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Let's take a look at it. Welcome to the Answers on Aging podcast. This podcast provides solutions to your questions and commonly faced challenges about caregiving, legal, and financial issues, personal struggles associated with the normal aspects of aging, and the unforeseen obstacles that oftentimes can be life-altering and even devastating. Each episode dissects real life, real-time issues, and will often feature special guests who bring expert-level knowledge and free resources straight to you. This podcast is hosted by certified elder law attorney Todd Watley and licensed nursing home administrator Sarah Scott. Together, these aging experts bring an impressive combined 30-plus years of experience to the table in order to give you all the answers on aging. That's right. This is the Answers on Aging podcast and Facebook page and Facebook. I say that every time. YouTube channel. We do Facebook, but... YouTube channel, and this is episode number 93, and thankfully I am here with my co-host, Sarah Scott. Hey, Todd Watley. Welcome, everybody, back to the Answers on Aging podcast and YouTube channel. We are delighted to bring you another episode today to help guide you through the aging process and make things as smooth as they can be, and sometimes that's by giving you some helpful information about new resources or legal documents or financial issues or care-related issues, and a lot of times we get the topics from what goes on in Todd's elder law firm office, Mm -hmm. and that's kind of what we're doing today. Yeah, and I know with over a hundred episodes, you know, there's only so many topics we can talk about, and Mm so at this point in our progression of the podcast we are going back and covering some older things but I think it's things that we need to clarify yeah there's still some misconceptions out there and if it's if there were misconceptions with my clients who I think I do a pretty good job of explaining things to and mm-hmm. saying hey this is how this works and this is what happens and they still don't fully understand it my assumption is probably those of you who have listened to all of our episode still may be a little bit confused on some things. And so I want to go back and clarify something um, that comes up all the time. Mm -hmm. So when I'm sitting down with clients and we're trying to get the ball rolling so that someone can apply for Medicaid to get their care paid for in assisted living or nursing home facilities, and they happen to have a trust in place, they automatically have the assumption that we're good. We should just automatically qualify for Medicaid because we've got this trust in place. And, and it's been in place more than five years. Yeah, so yeah. So we're, good. so we're good, right? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Let's take a look at it. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that I look at is the title, which 90% of the time says revocable living trust. Mm-hmm. And a revocable living trust means that it's revocable and it can be changed. But that's 
not the big issue. Mm-hmm. The big issue is who benefits from that trust. Yeah. And typically when you do a revocable living trust, if you're a husband and wife, you do a trust and you create the trust so that the trust now owns your assets, but you are the trustee and you are the beneficiary because obviously you want to use the money. You want to live in the house. You want to be able to sell the house. You want to have control of things and benefit from those things. But the, the sole purpose of a revocable living trust is to avoid probate. Right. Not to qualify for Medicaid. Right. Because you still benefit. And mm-hmm. the, the, the sad part is some people out there have irrevocable trust, which means it can't be changed, but they are still beneficiaries of it. Yeah. And yeah. that means you don't qualify for Medicaid. So the presumption that if you have an irrevocable trust that protects you from Medicaid, that is not always the case. I, we are going to talk about irrevocable trust today, but it's the ones that do protect you from Medicaid. Um, but just because it has the words irrevocable does not mean you are protected from Medicaid. Right. And if it has the word revocable, it's it's absolutely. also not protected from Medicaid. And yeah. everybody just thinks, well, I got these assets out of my name and put them into a trust over five years ago. So why doesn't that protect those assets from Medicaid? And it's like, well, because... You still control the assets or you're still benefiting from them. And Mm -hmm. that's what Medicaid wants to know about and and uses to determine your eligibility for those benefits. Yeah. And I don't want to get way into the weeds here, but, you know, just, you know, being the trustee of the trust can cause problems. And if there is absolutely any way that even if you did create a trust that you're not the beneficiary of, but you want to be in control of and there's any way possible that you could get those assets to your benefit, Medicaid is not going to let that trust fly and everything in there is still going to be countable. And that's, people are very surprised by that and upset, obviously, because they thought they were protected, but they're not. And they spent thousands of dollars getting this stuff set up Mm -hmm. just so they could get Medicaid eventually and didn't work. It, It didn't work. So if you are thinking about doing an irrevocable trust. That's great. I mean, think about it, but a irrevocable trust that protects you from Medicaid has absolutely one primary um, requirement is you can't benefit. Mm -hmm. And I hear in Arkansas, and I recommend to all of my coaching clients that they also make the grantors of the trust, the people who created the trust trying to protect their assets from Medicaid also not be the trustee. We just Mm -hmm. talked about that. But the key thing, and that's between states, there are some states will let you be the trustee. You can still be in control of it, but there must be wording in there that says you can't make the assets benefit the grantors. And if the grantors are the trustees, the trustees can't make the assets benefit the trustees. Mm -hmm. So, I don't like the confusion. I don't like for the state to question it. I just want to be very clear. My clients, the ones trying to protect their assets, are not the beneficiaries, absolutely, and also are not the trustees. So therefore, this trust is not for everyone. Number one, Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't have enough assets. To do an irrevocable trust, you don't want to put all of your assets into this trust. You want to put some of your assets, typically your home and some money to protect that. What goes into the irrevocable trust that I just described is protected from Medicaid, 
But it creates a five-year look back, meaning that if you need nursing home care during the next five years, you're going to need some money to pay for that. So you don't put all of your money into the trust. You need to keep out enough money to pay for five years worth of nursing homes. Well, depending on your state and how much nursing homes are, that could be $300,000, dollars $600,000. Assuming worst case scenario, we do the trust, transfer some assets in to the trust and you need nursing home care very quickly, it could easily cost you half a million dollars. So if you only have half a million dollars to your name, this trust is not for you. In fact, anytime that Todd is sitting with clients in the office and it's come to their realization that, yeah, I think we do want to do an irrevocable trust, he always makes them stop and come back a few days later mm-hmm. so they can really think about that and, and understand fully what that entails and what that actually means. Cause mm-hmm. that's a big commitment. That's usually a lot of money. It's an irrevocable commitment. And you can't go back once you've done it. So yeah. I think that's a really good practice that if you're talking with, hopefully it's an elder law attorney about revocable or irrevocable trust, take Todd's practice and say, Hey, Let's, you know, what do you think about Let's us think just about thinking this. about it for a few days? And then if we come to the same realization, we'll move forward. Yeah. A- another thing that makes this trust not for everyone is the fact that if there is a mortgage on the real estate, you're going to have difficulty getting it into an irrevocable trust and the bank not forcing you to pay off the mortgage. It's so frustrating because legally, If you're allowed to live there, the mortgage company is supposed to let you do this. But I will tell you, most mortgage companies are not going to be happy. They're they're going to give you fits about paying off the mortgage since you've put it into an irrevocable trust. And so therefore, typically, if someone cannot, or if they do have a mortgage and they can't pay off the mortgage, then I I'm like, this trust is not for you. And that's yeah. that's what happened with my cousin just mm. this weekend. I was talking with them and, you know, about doing this. And it, it sounds like a perfect plan, except they just told me this morning that they have a mortgage on the property. I'm like, ugh, we may not should do this. Yeah. So that's one of the things. And the, the third thing that I see in this trust, you want a personal child, friend, someone, not a commercial trustee of this trust, because there's going to be some ways in there that if you absolutely need to get money from this trust, we make a way for it to happen. But a commercial trustee will typically not do this because they are they are worried about getting sued by the beneficiaries and absolutely following the, the terms of the trust. And there are ways we can get some money from this trust and get it back to the grantors in, in a roundabout fashion. But a commercial trustee won't do it. We need someone personal. Uh-huh. And if you don't have anyone that you trust, <coughs> sorry about that, then maybe this is not for you. Yeah. But because if there's just absolutely no one out there who can look at this trust, look at the situation, talk to you, realize something needs to be done, and a commercial trustee won't do that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So th- those are a few things that keep you from doing the trust, but it's not all lost if you do have quite a bit of assets and 
this trust doesn't work for you. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of different options that we have to, again, protect the majority of your estate, especially for a married couple, without even needing a trust. So don't freak out. If if it comes to a, a, a stroke or some life event that happens that lands you or one of your loved ones in the nursing home, and they're faced with a seven, eight, nine thousand dollar monthly bill for their care, and there's not a trust in place. Don't freak out. Go see an elder law attorney mm-hmm. who knows Medicaid and knows how to address that crisis mode planning that we encourage you to avoid. But sometimes it's not avoidable. Right? Yeah, there are numerous episodes on that for the. Married person Medicaid, single person Medicaid. You can mm-hmm. go back through our list of episodes. That that information is still very good. So don't panic if you can't. If you have a revocable living trust and you think you were protected and now you know that you're not, don't panic. No. It's fine. Think about the irrevocable trust. Go see an elder law attorney about possibly doing an irrevocable trust. But even if that doesn't work, still don't panic. It's fine. We can typically protect a large amount of money and we, we talk about that extensively. So have peace of mind. Don't yes. don't panic on us. Just know that uh, the purpose of today's show was to absolutely make sure that you understand a revocable living trust does not protect you from Medicaid. Absolutely always. And sometimes an irrevocable trust does. That's right. So thank you guys so much. This is a, a shorter episode today, but yeah, lots of really good information. And hey, don't forget, we still have a book for sale called Conquering the Maze of Long-Term Care for Your Loved One. You can find that link on our website. We also do a weekly live radio show every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central Time. You can check out our Facebook page called Answers on Aging to pull up a live stream of those weekly videos and let us know that you listen to the podcast, send us a message, and we would be happy to give you a special shout out and always, always appreciate you tuning in. Yeah. If it's your first time on the Facebook Live, please go in, leave a message and say, hey, this is our first time yeah. and we would love to mention your name. And we always have nine to 11 always with us live. I would love for that to be 50, 60, or mm-hmm. 100. So yeah, please join us, 9 o'clock Central Time, Facebook, Answers on Aging, and we would love to see you there. And if you have questions or concerns, please let us know through the website, okay? All right, thank you all very much, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Answers on Aging podcast with Todd and Sarah. Be sure to hit subscribe and keep tuning in each week as they bring you helpful, useful, and easy-to-find resources for making life as we age as simple and enjoyable as possible. For more information about this episode, visit AnswersOnAgingPodcast.com. Click on the show notes tab and take advantage of the free resources right there at your fingertips. To see Todd and Sarah live, check out our Facebook page, Answers on Aging, to catch a live feed of their radio show every Wednesday morning from 9 to 10 o'clock. Todd and Sarah welcome feedback and love to answer your questions. So please, let them know what you think by leaving a review and share with your friends and family.